Hey listeners, do I have an event for you? Billings American Legion is putting on their annual Hall of Fame dinner April 9th at the Doubletree Hotel. Join us for a night of fun honoring current and past Legion ballplayers. All proceeds go right back to the program. More information to follow, but you want to be sure to mark this date. This year's Hall of Fame class is truly amazing. You can follow their stories here on our podcast and then meet them in person at the Hall of Fame dinner. They are an inspiration to all. Thank you and for your support. Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by UC Davis assistant men's basketball coach, Jonathan Metzer-Jones. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing good. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, always uh, love to uh, chat about whatever we got going on in the Aggie world and uh, maybe do some reminiscing on some of the old days up in Montana. Yeah, you know, I was wondering when you texted me that you had Montana ties, what exactly are your Montana ties? So from 2011 to 2016, I was an assistant coach for the men's basketball program up there for the Grizz. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I worked with Wayne for three years um, and stuck around and worked with with Trav for another uh, coach to cure for another two years after that. So great five years. Uh, my son was born there. Uh, son was born in Missoula, um, 2014. Uh, made a lot of great friends there. Had a lot. Had a great time uh, living in in Montana. Um, you know, after 2016, an opportunity came to, to get back a little bit closer to home for me. I'm originally from Oakland. Um, so to get down here back to Northern California is a great opportunity, but loved every minute of my time up there in Montana. Oh, that's awesome. And you were under two very good coaches here in Montana. Yeah, it was, a it was a heck of a run. Shoot. I was there for five years. We won the, uh, we won the big sky regular season, three of those seasons, uh, 2012, uh, excuse me. Yeah, 2012, 2013, and then 2015. Went to the NCAA tournament those back-to-back years in uh, 12 and 13. Met a lot of great people. Got fortunate to, you know, work with those two guys. Obviously, two incredible coaches. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to work with those guys up there in Montana. Uh, a lot of those players are still very, very close. I'm very, very close to uh, Will Cherry, you know, one of the best players, really, that's ever put on a Grizz uniform. He, he's comes and oh, stays yeah. at the house when he's in town, when he's back from Europe. Um, in the summer, he's come up here and we worked out and he's hanging out with my son and, you know, stayed at the house. Uh, Coach Selvig now at Dickinson State, very, very close with him still. Um, you know, and it's fun. We've got a group chat of some of the old the old guard Grizz uh, from when I was there with, you know, names that some people remember from Sean Stockton and Mike Wisner and Art Stewart and Kareem Jamar and Jordan Gregory and, and all those guys. It's, it's a fun group. Uh, I was very lucky to work with those young men um, all the way through, you know, to when I finished with Martin Bruenig and Brandon G. Feller and Mario Dunn, that whole crew. It was, it was a great time up there. And we, we relish it from the professional side of things, from, from the basketball standpoint, but also from, from our family, from the life perspective. It was, it was a great place to be. That's so cool. I remember watching Will Cherry and he just seemed like ran up and down the court with no effort. Yeah, that guy can move now. He's he's the definition of an athlete. If he if he didn't make it in basketball, he'd probably be making a living playing professional football. I mean, he, he's that good of an athlete. Wow, that's awesome. So 
I kind of want to know, you know, what got you into coaching and what is your um, background in basketball? Yeah, so I, my mom would tell you that I, I was born January 24th, and on January 25th, I was playing basketball. Um, <laughs> it was the, you know, the first thing that I did when I was little. Uh, I was playing ball, grew, uh, born and raised in Oakland, California. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm part of the generation. This, this, I'm part of that generation where we grew up playing outside and playing ball at the park uh-huh. um, and, and just playing five on five. I didn't do all the workouts and stuff like that. It was, it was playing out of the park. And it was, you know, basketball was kind of my first love. I played every sport there was but I gravitated back towards basketball. I went to Bishop O'Dowd High School uh, in Oakland, California, which is one of the best programs in the state of California um, and, and played there. I was good, but not great. So I had to go to junior college to prove my worth. Went to West Valley Junior College uh, and played there and then transferred to the University of Pacific uh, in California, which back then was in the Big West Conference, now in the West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. Had, had a great run there um, and, and got the chance to go play in Europe for a couple of years after that. I uh, played in Switzerland, Finland, Denmark, uh, some really cold places, <laughs> prepared me for my days in Montana. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, and then, you know, while I was over there, um, you know, partway through my last year, I was dealing with a little bit of an injury and i had always known that I wanted to coach. And from the time when I left West Valley, my junior college, to when I was playing in Europe, the guy that was my head coach, Bob Burton, um, became the head coach at Cal State Fullerton at the division one level. And so he had more resources and opportunities and positions to have people that he wanted to help get into the coaching world on his staff. So mm-hmm. I joined up kind of as like a volunteer, uh, director of operations, running camps and helping out in any way that I could. And that kind of got the, the career started, I guess you would say. Um, went from, from Fullerton. I did four years with Bob Williams at UC Santa Barbara, and that was an incredible run. We went to the NCAA tournament a couple of times, um, got a chance to work with some incredible players. Then the five years at Montana after that, and then uh, now this is year six at UC Davis. Um, and the whole, I've just been, I've been blessed with the people I've been able to be around. Um, a lot of people have taken me under their wing and showing me what it takes to be a coach at this level and to really main, really it's about maintaining that passion for the game. Um, and I guess if you kind of asked how I got started, I'd, I'd say that there was a guy in high school um, who took me aside and he was a volunteer assistant and for no reason just saw something in me and decided, hey, I'm gonna take this kid under my wing and um, you know, think he's got something, something really that I didn't even see in myself at the time, to be honest. And took me to open gyms and workouts and we'd go play and all that. And it kind of really just showed me what it would take uh, to make it as a basketball player. And without him, I definitely would have made it as far as I had. And he just did it out of the goodness of his heart. He loved the game and wanted to help someone. And I was the lucky one. Oh, that's so cool. So you mentioned that you went and played over in Europe. Where is the like neatest place you got the opportunity to play? Ooh. Well, the nicest place, I, I lived in Lugano, Switzerland, which is right on the southern tip of Switzerland on the Italian border. It's a city right on a lake. Um, you're in the, you're basically in the Italian Alps. So if you're, if you're sitting on the, on the dock of the lake looking out, about 270 degrees is the Italian Alps all around you. And you're wow. sitting on this lake and it's just this incredibly gorgeous, really nice place. You know, Switzerland's an incredible country. Uh, my grandfather actually immigrated from Switzerland. He was born there. So it was kind of neat, you know, to go back to 
the country where my grandfather came from. Um, and in that area, so you're 30 minutes from Lake Como, which, you know, George Clooney and all mm -hmm. these celebrities live there. You're an hour from Milan, big city. Wow. So I, I, I got a chance to go experience all those places, you know, on days off we, after our game on a Saturday, we'd have Sunday off and I'd drive down into Italy and just explore. And that was really incredible. That was, that was an incredible time. Um, Finland and Denmark were both very cool in their own rights, just very different. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in North Central Finland in the winter oh. and the average temperature was about minus 20 <laughs> and there was only four or five hours of daylight. So different experience, great people, but a very different experience. Denmark was awesome. Uh, really, really great people. Um, everybody there speaks English, so it was very easy to adjust. Uh, but Lugano, Switzerland was pretty special. I, I definitely plan on taking a family back there one day. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that negative 20 winter kind of makes the Montana winters look mild. Oh, um, and, and you know what? People <laughs> always talk about the Montana winters. Missoula winters are mild compared to compared to the rest of the state. You know, we're on the other, Missoula's on the other side of the Rockies, so we don't get that ice and wind and right. all that. It, it sits there, the fog and the, and the snow sits, and it gets a little cold, but um, I've been on the other side of the state, you know, playing against Montana State and Bozeman and, you know, recruiting over in Billings and stuff like that, and Oh yeah, when that wind kicks up, it's yeah. bone chilling. Yeah, I'm in Billings, and yeah. Billings for the most part kind of skips a lot of the winter. Does it really nice anymore? I don't know if that used to be the case, but anymore That's it seems it. like it does. And right. um, but Bozeman, it just seems to once it starts snowing, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Billings, <laughs> I like I like Billings a lot, man. Great great town. Shout out to uh, Jared Samuelson, Billings legend. Um, yeah, we I went to high school with him. He's, he was great. Yeah, great great sure. young man. I know he's got a family now. I uh, enjoyed uh, recruiting him and uh, getting to know him and the family. For sure. So UC Davis is kind of interesting because in football, you guys are in the big sky and that's where mm -hmm. I know you guys. Right. And then you're in the big West in basketball. So how neat is that to have a school that's in multiple different conferences for different sports? Well, for me in particular, because I have these ties to the big sky uh, from my time at Montana, it's very cool. You know, I get to, there's still that little bit of that rivalry with some of those other schools. Obviously, you know, Montana State was a big rival of ours. Um, you know, so so maintaining that for me on a personal level is very cool. Um, the Big Sky is a very good conference, um, especially in football. I mean, Eastern Washington, Montana State, Montana, uh, you know, Davis winning the league. All these schools are, are high quality, especially on the football side of things. Mm -hmm. And then the Big West um, is an elite conference in terms of uh, it's it's all around sport um quality uh for, mm -hmm. for all the sports across the spectrum i mean you think think about baseball with long beach state uc irvine cal state fullerton winning national championships and right and you see santa barbara and how great they've been in baseball basketball you've got you know high quality teams year in year out you know irvine the incredible job that they've done santa barbara last year davis has been very successful in recent years um long beach state has an incredible tradition um, so that, and then you go even the, the Olympic sports, you know, there's, there's this high quality sports all across the board. It's a really good conference. The travel is, is great. You know, if you like good weather, uh, having to visit Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo and Hawaii and places like that, those aren't the worst road trips to have to take. Um, so it's, it's a great conference to be a part of. Uh, we're very fortunate, um, you know, and it just, it, it kind of works out great for myself and my family being here in Northern California, where I'm from and we have family. 
uh, and, and being in this conference, which I'm so familiar with having played in the Big West, first coaching job in the Big West, um, and now being back here is great. That's awesome. So with the Big West, I looked at it, and it's an all-California conference with the exception of Hawaii. Yep. How cool is that to have, even when you do travel, it be fairly close to home? Yeah. And, and what's interesting is for us, we're, we're one of the, we're us in Hawaii are the ones that are a little bit, we're out of Southern California. So mm-hmm. we're even a little bit of an outlier, but the travel for us is still extraordinarily easy. You know, we go to Sacramento airport, which is 15 minutes away. We hop on a Southwest flight and we're in Southern California in an hour. So the travel is extraordinarily easy. Um, it's great. You know, it's never a bad thing to get down to Southern California or Hawaii in January when, you know, things start to turn a little cloudy or whatever it is. Um, but it, it, it's very, it's very nice. And, you know, the big sky, absolutely loved it. Seeing those places and being there um, in those places that I never would have been to without traveling for big sky competition was great. But the travel, you know, back then, I want to say like, you know, your road trips were Flagstaff and Cedar City going to play Southern Utah and Northern Arizona on a Thursday, yeah. Saturday, or uh, Greeley, Colorado to play Northern Colorado. And then you got to go to um, Grand Forks to play University of North Dakota when they were in the league. Mm-hmm. And those travel weeks are, they can be insane, um, especially with weather delays and everything you're dealing with. So that, it was definitely a, a welcome change to, to come to a place where you're basically traveling around California. And when you, don't, when you have to leave California, you're flying to Hawaii. Nobody's, nobody's ever upset with that. Darn. Yeah, shucks. <laughs> Darn it. Gotta go put my feet in the sand at the beach in, you know, Waikiki. What the heck? Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, one of the things that I've asked a couple coaches here is I've had a lot of mid-major conference teams on. And with the March Madness, mid-majors usually only get one, maybe two, but usually only one bid. Mm -hmm. What is that experience like to basically have a one and done, you know, in the conference tournaments and stuff like that? It's interesting. Um, earlier I used to go back and forth on it, you know, like, should we, and to be honest with you, sometimes we still do, um, about the conference tournament being the automatic qualifier versus the regular season champ being the automatic qualifier. You know, there's, there's been a number of times where, like, let's say my, my first year at UC Santa Barbara, um, we had an incredible team. We won the league, came in first, um, and these guys had grinded throughout their career to get to that point. They were mostly seniors and pushed through and stuck, stuck with the game plan over the course of their careers to win this championship. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible and it's awesome. It's something they can never take away from them. But we got to the conference tournament and we had one of those games where we just could not make a shot. And we lost to UC Irvine, who was like this eighth seed, I believe. Uh, and it was, you know, it was one of those games where it was like 55 to 51. And it was just, it was, it was gut-wrenching for those guys that they weren't going to be able to play in the NCAA tournament because they had done everything they needed to do that season. Um, you know, I think we were like the leading or second in the country in three-point shooting. Like they had this incredible year and weren't going to get to play in the NCAA tournament. And they had sacrificed so much over their four years. And so that part's tough. You know, that, mm. that part is tough. You can, you can have this incredible season in a one-big league and and miss out on the NCAA tournament. I mean, when we when we won the league, my first two years at Montana, uh, the first year was Damian Lillard's last year at Weber State, and we won the league and we went 15 and one in conference. The next year, 
we went, they expanded the league. So there are 20 league games. We went 19 and one in conference. And mm-hmm. I think at that point we were tied for the longest winning streak in the country at the end of the year. And if we had lost a game in the conference tournament, NCAA tournament's out the window. Right. And so that part's tough. Um, that, that part's difficult. The conference tournament is extraordinarily fun. I mean, it's, it's as fun as basketball gets at the college level. Tournament basketball in March is incredibly fun. I understand it. I get it from the perspective of uh, fan interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, the end of the year excitement that you want building as you go into the NCAA tournament. It allows some teams that maybe struggled to have that extra opportunity. So they're not giving up on the year. You know, if you feel like you're out of it in mid February, well, what are you going to do for the next month and a half? Are you just going to play as hard as you can, or is the coach going to make some adjustments and play some young guys? And so there's different factors that go into it and I totally get it. Um, But it is, it's very, it's, it's tough being a one bid league. You gotta, you gotta be playing your best basketball at the right time of year. And if you build your culture such that you're continually striving to improve and you're not plateauing mm-hmm. and you're building on your cultural values all the way up until March, um, teams that continue to improve and have the right mix of talent and togetherness, um, you give yourself a chance to, to have some fun in the postseason. And there's, there is nothing, and I mean this, there's nothing in sports like March Madness, like the NCAA tournament. It oh is. no i mean that entire two three weeks i'm glued to my tv watching oh, it. it's oh. just amazing and now you know they got it on the different channels and we've got you know you can look on your computer and i mean i'll be sitting there well i'll have two tvs on my computer and my cell phone all <laughs> on different game you know watching watching the games um much rather be participating and i've been fortunate no don't get me wrong i've i've been in the NCAA tournament a number of times but but when you're when you're sitting there watching it's it's a fun spectacle it's a lot it's it's a blast for, for coaches, for basketball lovers and the fans. For sure. For sure. So one thing that I've always wondered, you know, being a big sky conference fan and them being a mid major, there are a lot of times 14, 15, 16 playing against like Kansas, the Dukes of the world. Would it be better off to go into the NIT where maybe they have a better shot to win two or three games, than go into the NCAA tournament and just get, demolished right. by like Kansas or Duke I know exactly what you're talking about and so when you when you look at it there are times where you can look at it and you can say yeah you know it'd be great to get the season going and make a run and play three or four more games in the postseason and I have to say just the the euphoria of making the NCAA tournament and then being there and seeing and knowing that you partook in that event, it's, it's another level. It, re- it really is. I, I wouldn't trade. I mean, <laughs> one of the years in Montana, I think the second year we went, 2013, we played Syracuse in the first round. Mm-hmm. And this was a Syracuse team that struggled um, kind of like in February. But at one point in the year, they were number one in the country. And they had Michael Carter-Williams first round pick. They had you know, they're across the board, they're six foot nine and taller. <laughs> and they play that zone. And it's impossible to play against that zone. And um, and then at the end of the year, they played really well. And so they got a four seed. I think we were 13, they got a four, but this was a team that had been number one in the country. 
So we go into that game and Matthias Ward, who is an incredible player for us, uh, had busted his foot a couple games before. And he was kind of our six foot six mid range shooter could really, we could put him in the high post against that zone and we'd be all right. Well, he's out and it didn't go very well. And I think when we lost the game at the time, it was the biggest loss in the history of the NCAA tournament for a non one versus 16 game. Oh no. Now, luckily later that day, somebody beat Akron by one more point. And so <laughs> our name got wiped from the record book. <laughs> um, but, but it was pretty bad. So, so people look at that and be like, well, wouldn't you rather play in the NIT? Cause that team could have won a game or two in the NIT. And yes, that would have been awesome. But that experience of being in the NCAA tournament and that what what we got to go through as a team and as a unit to get to that point, battle through those injuries. You know, Will Cherry was also hurt that year, mm-hmm. he came back to, to get through all that and reach that ultimate goal. We're going to be in the NCAA tournament. You're sitting there on Selection Sunday and watching your name called, man. We were at, a, we were at the press box in Missoula. And when they announced that we were going to play that game in the Bay Area in San Jose, as soon as they announced that, me and Will just looked at each other and we're like, oh, we're going to have some ticket problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's great. And, I mean, I agree. It's it's a better tournament to play in March Madness, obviously. I just – I don't know if it would be better to win a game or two or just go in there in the best tournament. It's kind you of a catch-22. You know what we found out? And this is we, – we weren't sure because we – nobody on our staff had ever done it before, but um, – when we won it here, when I was at Davis, we wound up playing, we, we got into the first four, they, uh, they call it the first four, the, pl- yeah. the playing game, the first four where they send the teams to Dayton and you play in an NCAA tournament and then, you know, winners advance. That, being able to do that, win a game, which we did, we beat um, NC Central, a really good team program. And then we moved on to play Kansas the next round. That was incredible. If if that's something people are like, oh, you're in the first four, I wouldn't bat an eye about going back there every year and having that experience because Dayton's a great setup, great arena. They love basketball, so the fans are coming out and they're cheering. It feels like you're almost in a home arena. They pick a team and they wind up cheering for them, even if they're from out of the area. So doing that was an incredible experience. So that 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 actually does provide an opportunity for some teams. Uh, at the mid-major level, if you get put in that game, it gives you a chance to win a game in the postseason and get that feeling uh, and experience. Oh, that's awesome. You actually answered one of my other questions. I was going to ask about the first four. So. Yeah, great, great experience. I mean, that whole setup is is big time. The Dayton Arena is is awesome. Like I said, they love basketball there, and they come out in droves. I mean, it was, it was pretty much a sellout for for all those games when we were there. You know, I can't remember. I don't think we were the first game, so we got to watch another game. It was like Wake Forest versus Kansas State. Oh, that's you cool. Sense of it. You get a feel for the arena and the environment. And then you go out and play, and once you settle in and realize, hey, we're we're good, just like this other team's good, um, you know, let's, let's go win a game. And then from there, you know, you win that game, and immediately you're like, okay, now we got to get on that charter plane again. <laughs> we're going to – we wound up going to Tulsa to play in that nice arena there versus Kansas. And I tell you, that was being in Tulsa, you know, Kansas, the Kansas fans come out. I mean, we were in Tulsa, but it was, yeah. I don't know how many people. Kansas Nation. 
Oh, but it was 15, 16,000 people in that rock chalk. Um, but we had, we had them scared for a little bit. We had them scared. It was uh, Britton Lamar, our, you know, our all-conference guard, came off a baseline out-of-bounds screen just under the eight-minute media, hit the jump shot, and I think it tied the game at 21. And we're looking at the clock, and we're saying, hey, let's go. Let's do this. And then Frank Mason and Devontae Graham and Josh Jackson said, that's enough of that. And <laughs> it was about, I think it was a 29 to seven run to end the half, unfortunately, but still an incredible experience. It was, it was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. So UC Davis is like, I've said a mid major, but there's a lot of basketball talent in the state of California. Mm-hmm. And there's just a bunch of colleges in the state of California. Right. So, what is kind of the, I don't know, prototypical, like who do you want on your team for UC Davis basketball? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the academic side of things really does shrink our pool a little bit. UC Davis is one of the top five public institutions in the whole country. Um, and, and the academics here are, I wouldn't say they're outlandish, but, but you have to be able to do your work. You have to have had a good solid foundation uh, academically coming in here and so we can't recruit just everyone across the board that's you know a minimum qualifier that can play basketball right so that shrinks our pool a little bit um you know what what we always look for is is character um you know we want people in and coach less our head coach jim less is is a huge believer in just putting in the work and and being in, being in the gym and so if you're a guy that doesn't like working hard, doesn't like spending extra time on your own in the gym, you get weeded out pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So a big part of what we do is research on the front end when we're recruiting high school players and transfers is finding out what their work ethic is like. Um, there's, and unfortunately, it's just the reality of it. There's a lot of talented young men that have been able to get by just on their physical attributes that don't like to push themselves uh, in the gym. And that won't work here. <laughs> um, you've got to be willing to put in the work to do the work. Cause that's how, that's how coach Les made it as a player himself. He played in the NBA for seven years and it wasn't because of any outstanding athleticism. He'd be the first to tell you. He, he learned the game. He, he was smart. He was very studious, but he just worked harder than, than the people he had to compete against year in year out. And it allowed him to stick stick in the league for seven years. So that's a big factor for us. Um, we do recruit because our pool is smaller from who we can get academically. Mm-hmm. We then cast a little bit of a wider net. You know, we don't just recruit California. Um, we've got players on our team from Arizona, Washington, Colorado. Um, we recruit internationally. We've had guys from England, Sweden, Italy. Um, you know, we got a, two, a kid on our team this year. He's originally from France. Um, so we we recruit all over. But, I mean, now the way that things are going, you know, you get, you have to have your hand in the transfer market. It's just the reality of, of recruiting now with so many transfers happening every year. Um, you'd be remiss to not at least take a look if you can find the right fit. And we found a couple of really good fits. Two, two guys that are playing major roles for us and starting right now are transfers from the Mountain West Conference. Um, oh, awesome. So, yeah, it's, you know, we, we do kind of have to cast a little bit of a wider net to make sure that we're touching every base with, with who we can recruit from an academic perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, 
but we also, you know, we like having the California kids. We this last recruiting class, we got two kids from the Sacramento area that we think will be pretty good for us in the future. And, um, you know, Darius Graham, our point guard on the NCAA tournament team, went to Sacramento High. Um, awesome. So we like having some of the local kids with us as well. That's so cool. So I know that your guys' rival in football is Sac State. Mm-hmm. But who is your guys' rival in the Big West? Man, um, that's a good one. <laughs> For basketball? Yes. I, so when I first got here, so from, from 2000, let's say it was the year before, I guess, so 2013 to 2019, maybe even 2020, the only two teams to win the regular season conference tournament were, or sorry, the regular, the regular season Big West basketball were UC Irvine and UC Davis. So there was kind of that competitive rivalry that naturally formed between the two programs because we've been so good for so long. Uh-huh. Um, you know, now UC Santa Barbara has been really good. So they've been a little bit of a rival the last few years. You know, we go at it pretty hard when we play against them. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect there for the, for the programs. Coach Pasternak has brought in some incredible players um, that they, you know, they stacked their team that year and uh, won the league last year. And, and, you know, Coach Pasternak, I think would tell you that he has a lot of respect for Coach Les and how he does things in our program. And so there's been a little bit of rivalry there. Hawaii's had our number, um, you know, and they, they had gotten us three or four times in a row uh, before last year. And, now we've kind of turned the tide. We got a miss the last two times we played. We beat them. So there's, there's some of those rivalries. The, the rivalries mainly come out of competition. Um, for us, there's no other, you know, Sac State's the other Division One in the region that's right near us. Right. There isn't one of those in the Big West. So it, because, but because we've been good uh, as a program and, and have won, some of that natural competition rivalry has existed between those schools that I mentioned. Oh, that's awesome. So I have two more recruiting questions that I totally spaced when I asked that last question. No but um, So one, you know, um, when you're going to like AAU events, showcases, mm-hmm. things like that, are you looking at like, do you go in there looking for one specific player or do you go in there kind of looking for like a position or right. just kind of an open book? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of both. Um, we do our, we do a lot of work on the front end. We, we know, who some of the better players are in areas that we recruit um, when they're soft, by the time they're sophomores, we'll, we'll know who they are, where they go to school, would they fit us academically, at least seem like at this point. Mm -hmm. And so we'll pinpoint them. We'll figure out where they're going to be, what events they're going to be at. And we'll make sure that we're keeping an eye on them from a young age as they get older and we're looking more at our next immediate need in the next class, we've got a number of guys that we will have pinpointed based on who's leaving our program that following year, what we expect to be leaving um, and what we'll need to fill in. And we'll usually go into the summer with anywhere from six to 12 guys that we're thinking, Hey, we're going to be out there following you. We want you to make sure you know that we want you to be a part of our program and we're going to be evaluating you, but really showing love and being at your events. At the same time, we're, we're getting word about, you know, this kid or this program and from this coach and and we're keeping an eye out on those players and maybe adding players to our list as other players come off the list you know Mm -hmm. one of those six to 12 kids that we thought were great going in we watch them that summer a coach less puts eyes on them 
and maybe it's just not the right fit. And so they come off the board and then this other person that we've been being told about, we've watched a couple of times and maybe they slide in there. So um, it's a little bit fluid, but we usually go in with some guys pinpointed that we really want to attack uh, in the summer and, and get them on campus in the fall. Um, and that's kind of how, that's kind of how we approach it. We, and that'll be wherever we need to go, wherever there's basketball players that have good grades and are good people, we will be there watching. That's awesome. So then, you know, me being from Montana, I always kind of want to try to get our Montana players out there a little bit more if possible. And there are some that have listened to my podcast. So how can Montana athletes be seen by you guys? Getting in, getting into the, the main exposure events on a, on a travel team um, is, is the best way. You know, we go to those events where we know there will be high quality teams and players. Um, you know, there's, there are some programs, I, I believe for NCAA compliance rules, I can't name specific programs, but there are some up there in the area run by some very good people um, that, that actually do a really good job of, of putting teams together and getting them into those events. That's the best way. The NCAA had their academy uh, you know, the NCAA Academy set up to get started. It, it, it went off for one, maybe two years before COVID shut everything down. Um, but that was going to be another way um, to, to get that exposure because that, that wasn't travel team based. That was more individual player based. Kind of mm -hmm. back to the old days when I was coming up where you go to a camp and you just kind of get put on a team and, and show your skills. That was going to be uh, another route um, to try and get into one of those. Those are the two main avenues. It obviously is difficult, you know, getting up to Montana for, for a lot of programs. You don't have that many, obviously, Division ones in the area. Um, travel right. to Montana is not the easiest. I get it. Um, but, but if you can find a way in the spring and summer to get yourself on one of those teams, um, and, and the main program I know up there, they have multiple teams in the state that they put together and just find your way onto a team. And, and if you're good enough, you know, coaches will find you. Whether you're playing on what, you know, is considered the top team or you're playing on the third team in the program. If you're mm -hmm. good enough and it shows, you will get seen. Definitely. Well, hey, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time. It's been great to have you on today and hear about Aggie basketball and yeah. just your career. It's been great. Yeah, no problem. I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, anytime I can connect with people from the 406 warms my heart a little bit miss it up there um but yeah no thank you for having me on it's been it's been a blast and uh we look forward to finishing up this season the right way maybe we can get a couple people up there in montana following the aggies a little bit just keeping keeping tabs on us there you go all right thanks so much thanks Mitch. see it yeah